G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Dr. Augusto Zimmerman is our guest. We're talking about his new book called Christian Foundations of the Common Law. Augusto, uh, before we go any further, this is just volume one and this focuses on England. Uh, what, uh, how long do we have to wait to, uh, to get the, the volume all about Australian law? Look, uh, Neil, um, this is the first uh, volume of three volumes. The third volume is the one addressing the Australian legal tradition. Uh, I hope that very soon this third volume will be available. The first volume is on England, because it's from England that uh, this whole thing started. But uh, the second volume addresses the United States of America, and the third volume is about us in Australia. Uh, that tells you that we have lots to say about this subject. I had, I was forced to write three books rather than just one. Uh, that that is because there is so much to say about the Christian foundations of the common law. Okay, we're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might have a question or a comment about our conversation today. Let's take a call from Frank in Mildura in Victoria. Hello, Frank. Welcome along. Yeah. Good day. Frank, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Uh, yeah, just a quick question for Gusto. Um, with the with the whole push for to become a republic and get rid of the well, that mean we get rid of the queen, we get rid of God, and all associated with it. Will, will they rewrite the constitution uh, without God in it, and therefore undermining or taking away all of our security and safety that we've had so far? Good question, Frank. Your thoughts, Augusto? Well, look, you are totally right to say that um, the uh, idea of uh, the governor representing the queen connects us with um, with an idea of the ruler having having to give an account to God. That's because the coronation ceremony is very clear that the queen is promising to be a defender of the faith. It's a symbolic acknowledgement of the Christian faith. So you are totally right to say that the powers of the Governor-General show this relevance of Christianity in the legal system. The Governor-General is actually uh, exercising the executive power as the Queen's representative here. And the Queen swore allegiance to the Christian faith, and that's part of the coronation ceremony. I must say that, unfortunately, like uh, I would say the Queen does a very good job as being a, a good woman, but uh, her son is not necessarily like her, and he's actually promising now that he'll be a defender of faiths rather than the faith. And he's a divorcee, and he, when he uh, divorced his wife, I think he didn't do on, on biblical grounds at all. So, unfortunately, I, I would say that um, even uh, the successors to the queen need to learn 
that they are there to be defenders of their faith. And if he makes this commitment, the next uh, monarch of England, he has to commit himself to the protection of the Christian faith because it's a promise that he made, he will make at the coronation ceremony. Augusto, I think Frank was also asking, with the push for a republic, if we were to move down that road, does that mean a whole new constitution and would the forces that would be trying to write God out of our legal foundations, would they succeed, do you think? Well, it is a very uh, uh, dangerous manoeuvre because in the end of the day the constitution would have to be rewritten and perhaps because we lack in, in knowledge of history these days, uh, you see the, the history curriculum is bas- basically dumping down children in this country. I have just written an article recently on the, the poor state of, of history, education in schools in Australia. So if you move to Republic, perhaps all this beautiful history and this reminder of where our rights and freedoms come from will be even further undermined. And so it can be a Trojan horse for uh, social engineers to actually redesign the country and make it even more secular and provide governments with more power. power. So it's a bad idea. I don't agree with this idea because I see unintended consequences as a result. Frank from Mildura, thank you so much for your comments. You can join our conversation on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts on some of the things being discussed here. Let me come back to one of those trains of thought there that you brought up and uh, quite uh, quite significantly, uh, strongly uh, have an opinion on, uh, this idea of Prince Charles uh, being the next monarch. If we talk about a fragility of things that could go wrong, Uh, Is that one thing that could go wrong if uh, Prince Charles assumes uh, the the crown and uh, becomes the king, uh, that he actually becomes very syncretistic and uh, across lots of different faiths? Uh, How do you think that might actually look uh, for the Commonwealth to come, Augusto? I don't think it bodes well. Uh, Certainly we have the precedent uh, coming from uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the previous one, who claimed himself to be also a chief druid uh, in honor of the druid tradition. Uh, hopefully he didn't commit child sacrifice in the process because that's what the druids used to do. So in a certain sense, you know, it's a very dangerous thing to be uh, forgetting that um, the roots of your rights and freedoms. Uh, Prince Charles, I don't think he has this understanding of the issue properly establishing his mind uh, to the point that um, he commented about the um, Syrian crisis, uh, saying that perhaps this is a result of climate change rather than the problem with the radical Islamic uh, movement. So he doesn't have a clue about what's happening in the world, and certainly he has no regard and respect for the institution of marriage. So I think um, that makes him a very poor uh, uh, role model indeed. Wow. Well, uh, you might like to make a comment because uh, lots of things in there uh, from uh, from Church of England archbishops uh, participating in all sorts of uh, strange uh, practices, 
uh, to the possibilities that might happen if Prince Charles becomes king, and mm. that is the likelihood. And and uh, interestingly, and only a minute and a half out from news, but of course uh, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, who led the Republican push when a referendum was held some decades ago, of course uh, he's all in favour of Prince Charles becoming the next king. Uh, do you think there might be some Republican uh, streak there that uh, that gets behind his support for Prince Charles? Well, I uh, wouldn't be surprised by this. Unfortunately, I must say that when Malcolm Turnbull uh, has an opinion, normally I tend to disagree with this opinion, so I'm not surprised that he uh, makes these sort of uh, comments. Uh, what I have to say is that, that in the end of the day, he is a prime minister, and he has to, first of all, respect all institutions. And certainly it would be good for a prime minister to be reading my book and understanding that his power is not derived from himself or from human beings, but ultimately derived from a benevolent God who gave us citizens the same rights and freedoms that he possesses. Our special guest is a legal philosopher and constitutional expert who's not afraid to express his opinions about where we are headed as a nation if we don't acknowledge the Christian foundations of Australia. Well, all of these controversies over the past few years, you might be surprised that there is a wonderful stream of rich Christian scholarship that's addressing the important factors that have shaped our nation. Uh, we're talking today about those streams that traces many of our current freedoms that can be attributed to this rich seam of Christian influence. That's infused the development of what is known as the common law. Dr. Augusto Zimmerman is our guest. He's carefully laid out an account of the Christian roots of the common law and it appears destined to become a valuable addition to Australian works on legal history. Augusto Zimmerman is Professor of Law at Sheridan College and Professor of Law Adjunct at the University of Notre Dame Australia School of Law in Sydney. He's also President of the West Australian Legal Theory Association. He's Editor-in-Chief of the Western Australian Jurist and is a former Law Reform Commissioner in WA. Augusto, we'll take some calls as they come through. 1-800-316-316. We've talked about England and foundations of the common law. We've talked about those connections to Australia and our early foundations. Let's bring in some discussion about the United States because they have a common law that also has this basis in the Scriptures. What are your reflections on America? Well, uh, thanks, Neil. This is an important question, and um, the readers will be able to know far more about this topic in Volume 2 of my uh, collection. But basically what I have to say is that America inherited the English law, uh, including its uh, Christian heritage. Christianity was really central to the lives of the first American uh, settlers, uh, even leading to the American Revolution, because the American Revolution was based on the idea of numerous uh, American founders that um, they had to uh, fight against um, a government that um, suppressed the rights and fundamental rights and freedoms that they claimed to be, and I agree with them, God-given and not state-authorized. Uh, 
So basically, when you think in terms of the American Declaration of Independence, it's very clear the Christian message over there, saying that we are endowed by God with inalienable rights. And amongst these rights, the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, because we cannot be necessarily happy, but certainly tyranny and oppression do not lead to happiness. So I think uh, it's a very clear document in the sense that they acknowledge that uh, their rights and freedoms are not um, uh, provided ultimately by the state, but it is actually the gift of a benevolent God. Enlarge a little for us. For those who are are concerned or interested in this idea of God-given rights, uh, I think sometimes they're talked about as inalienable rights. In other words, the ones that are not written down anywhere. These are the just these are the ones we expect that because we are part of the human race that we have because we're created in the image and likeness of God. Because these God-given rights are a protection for all people. How does this protection factor work in there, Augusto? If we talk about God-given rights. Well, that's not so hard to explain, actually. These principles uh, were supported by not only the American founders, but they were supported by the uh, creators of the common law, uh, the first uh, greatest jurists of the common law. These principles um, about the supremacy of the law over the judiciary and over the legislature. The rule of law doesn't mean the rule of judges, by the way, as it doesn't mean the rule of politicians. It means the rule of the law, and the law should be above even the will of judges and politicians. We are talking about institutional arrangements here, protecting our God-given inalienable rights, rights to life, liberty, and property, and through the creation of government under the law. So these rights uh, impose upon these authorities limits, constitutional limits and rules, uh, which work as a prescription for a system of government under the law that is limited by a natural right of every individual to not be subject to unjust law. Augusto, you mentioned at the at the top of the last hour, just before the news, uh, when we were talking about, uh, you said, I hope Malcolm Turnbull does read my book and mm-hmm. realises that he's not in power because of his own doing, but because of God uh, in the way that we talk about the way that our parliament works, because alongside our parliament is our high court. So the courts and the parliament, uh, these obviously are interlinked and yet separate, uh, but how do you see our high court as upholding some of these sorts of uh, God-given rights in Australia? Do you think that uh, high court judges are, are across the sorts of things you're talking about? Well, look, in many ways, the whole idea of um, written down these inedible rights, as the Americans did uh, via the American Bill of Rights, did not work as they expected. The American founders, they viewed these fundamental rights as uh, pre-existing the formation of government. So they believed that these rights are God-given. They're not doing anything special here because they were just inspired by uh, Blackstone and Cook. And as I say, I referred before, the greatest uh, common lawyers in England. They uh, thought that these rights, um, apart from 
the grant of power and authority to civil rulers, because these rights of the individuals are independent from the, from the government. And the government has, in order to obtain its legitimacy, to actually acknowledge these rights and protect them. These are, these are rights, basically, that are not uh, to be taken away, because they are not even God they are not state-given, they are rather God-given. So in the language of the American Declaration of Independence, in the language that was acknowledged by the uh, Australian uh, founders, uh, the writers of our Constitution, these rights are not to be removed or to be under um, uh, considered, if I can say, like disregarded, if I can put in a better way, by the laws of this state. So in many ways what's happening is that since we have lost the foundation and since we believe, for instance, that um, there is no such thing as an inalienable right, the rights can actually now be uh, created. And that's why when you win the battle of ideas in a political uh, context, you can actually baptize this uh, uh, victory as a right. Uh, the American uh, Supreme Court has done so via the decision in the same-sex marriage case when it decided to say that uh, they are playing God by claiming that same-sex marriage is actually a fundamental right. Well, if it is a fundamental right, it shouldn't be possible to create them because a fundamental right is something that is inalienable to the individual. Uh, to claim that a right is fundamental is to claim to be God. Okay. Well, when we have rights that pre-exist the government... Uh, there's a caution here because in a secular society that is trying to marginalize Christianity, uh, the idea of rejecting God, and then if you reject God, uh, you actually reject those inalienable rights, those God-given rights. So mm -hmm. uh, so we're really treading on very uh, thin ice, aren't we, if we have that situation where God is being pushed out of the whole uh, legal system and uh, yes. and that uh, and that all rights are now negotiable because that's that's what we're uh, we're in at the moment isn't it that's the main problem because if the right doesn't have the foundation referred to then this right is actually uh, re reduced if if i can if i can say to this uh, struggle for uh, for the best idea according to the perceptions of the the momentary perceptions of society so what we can see is the creation of rights that are actually undermining the real rights. Uh, if you have these fake rights all over the place, rights, they are not an indivisible unit. They actually clash amongst the, among themselves. Think, for instance, about uh, the right to privacy and the right to life. Uh, it can actually clash. And uh, when you have a clash of rights, this is actually to be ultimately decided by the courts. And if you create new rights, these rights that can be, for instance, collective rights, they can easily clash with the fundamental rights of the individual. And uh, in a context where there's no uh, real uh, root for these rights, there is no real uh, underpinning for these rights, so philosophically speaking, then what we have is the Darwinian idea that might makes right. So might makes right if you remove a Christian tradition for rights and freedoms. It's just a matter of you winning the battle of ideas, imposing your will, 
and then baptizing what you have obtained as a victory, as a right as well. Augusto, let me take you to uh, when we talk freedoms and rights. Of course, we know that at the moment the Radic Freedoms Review is being undertaken. In fact, as I understand it, it's the 18th of May that recommendations may be released to the Prime Minister and perhaps publicly. Uh, what are your thoughts for what's going on with the way that religious freedoms rights are being discussed right now? And we are perhaps at a, a crossroads or a, a fork in the road. We may be about to go in a different direction than we've ever known before. What are your concerns about freedoms and the way that these rights uh, have been eroded? Look, uh, as a a Christian, we understand, and I understand, that God is not forcing you to uh, be committed to Him. Uh, Salvation is is something that you decide in a certain sense, because God gave you what's called free will. And it's not possible to actually love uh, God being forced to do so. So freedom and autonomy is an important thing because you have ultimately the, the freedom to decide. I think what, what we, when you talk about religious freedom, we have to be a little bit careful to not think that every single religion is actually good for the society. But I think free speech and freedom of religious communication is very important. So uh, we have to move perhaps this debate to the broader idea of freedom of speech and freedom of communication. Because most of what we uh, discuss in society, uh, it's actually impacted by our Christian beliefs. So when you say, for instance, that um, a baby should not be killed in the womb of a mother, uh, you can actually uh, take this approach because we believe that ultimately it's God who gave life to this baby and you have no right to uh, take away this uh, right to life. So I think what we have to do now is to uphold what the Constitution calls the political communication freedom, the freedom of political communication. And it is discrimination to not tolerate religious people to be, let's say, engaged in the political debate and allow the secular speech to be fully protected. It is not tolerable, it's not uh, permissible, according to our Constitution, to treat uh, religious people as third-rate citizens. Okay, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, Neil Augusto. Yeah, um, I think our, our Judeo-Christian uh, constitutions were all set up to, you know, to keep order, uh, you know, under God. And, and uh, everything now is, you know, any other laws that they want to bring in are just designed to create chaos, you know, just like Peter Dutton is having so much trouble with the AAT, these uh, appeals tribunals, when he tries to enforce the law. Uh, you know, God said in the in the last days it will be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah. You know, the days of Lot we can already see homosexualities come in. Uh, the days of Noah they were worshiping everything, worshiping trees, worshiping you know all sorts of religions. So you know, like yeah, if Prince Charles comes in, I think Sharia law will definitely you know. Uh, be normalised and, you know, we'll have so many parallel legal frameworks. Chris, uh, interesting thoughts in there, a response from Augusto. I think it is fantastic, your point. I think when you talk about uh, the current current threats to freedom of religion, it's normally about uh, suppressing 
the manifestations of the Christian religion. Uh, certainly it seems that there is an unholy alliance taking place uh, between the radical left and the Muslim radicals. And that's simply because they have a common enemy to destroy, namely the Christians. Okay, thank you so much to Chris from Victoria. Let's take a call from Shelby in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Hey, yes, uh, I guess so, Neil. Um, Hi. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for um, the um, Vision Radio. And I wish there was more of you, I guess so. Um, mm. Because uh, thank you. we really need to uh, fight. Um, this Judea, uh, sorry, we, we, the Christians really need to fight this um, in the name of the Lord. Um, there is so much secular law today, man has not been able to improve on the Ten Commandments, and, um, and uh, as well, we, we really need to fight. Um, I can't believe that um, the two major governments have brought in this um, marriage thing, when um, really there's no other marriage other than man and woman, and the true family of children, um, and of course um, all these other secular laws that we're bringing in above God's laws... Um, I just wish there was more people like yourself, Augusto. Thank um, you very much this. for this. Shelby, thank, thank you, you so much for your call. Uh, Shelby raises an important point here because when there is a battle going on, uh, there needs to be lawyers uh, who have an outspokenness, uh, fearlessness like you do, uh, Augusto Zimmerman. Uh, but uh, where are those lawyers coming from? I mean, clearly uh, people under your influence are, are capturing some of your uh, ideas, some of your philosophy, some of your spirit here. But uh, where are the Christian lawyers uh, to Today. Well, they are, they are a product of a society. And the Bible tells us very clearly that we should not be taken captive by false and deceptive philosophies that are taught in our law schools. Uh, basically, what I teach legal theory, I'm probably the only uh, academic in this country, and I hope that I might be wrong, but to teach uh, our common law foundations to actually address the origins and the roots of the common law system. Unfortunately, what uh, we see in law schools is that the teaching of uh, philosophies that are not uh, uh, derived from uh, the Christian underpinnings of the legal system, that they are not based on uh, the values and principles that brought about this uh, legal system that we call now the common law. Uh, I would say that uh, the main problem that we face is that law schools have prepared lawyers to be either upholders of postmodern ideology or perhaps just uh, for them to make money out of people's misery. And certainly, like the access to justice in Australia is a major problem. You know that if you have a problem with the law, and the laws here produced in Australia are not necessarily good. You have, for instance, like uh, dramatic, dramatic, I can say, restrictions of freedom of speech on subjective grounds. It's very important to say that it's almost impossible to uphold a law which depends on subjective feelings. But if you face a problem of this nature, you will spend a fortune with lawyers that can ultimately lead to your bankruptcy. Uh, lawyers are very expensive, 
And so access to justice in Australia is perhaps only affordable to about 10% of the population. We lack in access of ju to justice in this country as a result of bad laws and the causes of litigation. Uh, thank you so much to Shelby for your insight, for your comment there. Interestingly, as you start to reflect on uh, those sorts of uh, situations where a legal battle gets very expensive, very drawn out uh, and uh, very complicated, uh, is it then in the best interests of lawyers who've got their eye on uh, making big dollars uh, not to have uh, the revisiting to this idea of Christian foundations of the common law which might more easily work out legal problems? Would there be some who would be motivated by their own greed in all of this? Well, certainly. But another thing, when you talk about uh, such thing as uh, same-sex marriage, you have to understand that the institution of marriage was undermined even prior to the uh, uh, change in the definition of marriage. In Australia, for instance, we have uh, certainly removed one of the Ten Commandments saying that um, spouses uh, should never commit adultery. And uh, we have in Australia a system called no fault. And it, it basically means that um, a spouse can betray the other spouse. A spouse can commit adultery and uh, perhaps even be rewarded by the system when it comes to uh, the divorce settlement. And when we talk about those Ten Commandments, and as we discuss those foundations for your book, Christian Foundations of the Common Law, uh, first volume, all about England, uh, those Ten Commandments were pretty important right through the process of the development of English law, and they are still important for us today. What you're saying is, if you do away with those, the complications that happen in the legal system are beyond anyone's imagination. It is. Uh, we, we have uh, surely... Uh, lost the foundation so that uh, we will not have the chance to protect the institutions and the principles who are derived from these foundations. So in the end of the day, if you remove from the concept of the rule of law the idea that we are not under the rule of uh, politicians, judges, then uh, the recipe for this or the result of this action will inevitably be the undermining of our rights and freedoms because um, these freedoms will not be solidly protected. They will be relative and uh, derived from political circumstances. So it's not a good prognosis for the future when we talk about uh, predictions that moving away from these ideas of a higher law actually uh, gives us uh, laws that are going to be uh, battlefields uh, fought over uh, all sorts of uh, trivialities and <laughs> and uh, the complexity of, of in fact, uh, trying to negotiate your way without the idea of inalienable God-given rights to protect all people and uh, therefore uh, a good thing to be talking about new scholarship that talks about Christian foundations of the common law. Uh, now, for people getting a hold of your book, Connor Court is the publisher and they need to go to that website but simply uh, googling Christian foundations of the common law people will be able to get a hold of it. It is volume one. Uh, you mentioned that Volume 2 and Volume 3 are on the way. Uh, Augusto, uh, how quick a succession do you think those volumes will appear? 
I hope it will appear very, very soon in this succession. I hope that uh, very soon all the three volumes will be available. Uh, the Corner Court has, as I say, released the first volume. Uh, the first book launch for Volume 1 will be held here in Perth at Sheridan College on the 31st of May at 6 p.m. Then I might uh, fly over to Sydney in order to launch this uh, book also at Notre Dame in Sydney. Um, I think it's on the 28th, but I'm not uh, entirely sure. But uh, these books then I hope will be available in bookshops. And uh, it's a, for a very affordable price because I will tell you, uh, we need to spread this message because the price that we pay for our ignorance is actually the undermining of the heritage and the Christian heritage that has uh, given us so many blessings, so many rights and freedoms. I am in this country because I believe God called me for a mission that is to protect the rule of law in this country, and to fight for justice and rights and freedoms. So I have a commitment, and that's why the price of the book is quite affordable. Augusto Zimmerman, and I'll point people to Connor Court, or simply Google Christian Foundations of the Common Law. Uh, Dr. Augusto Zimmerman is Professor of Law at Sheridan College and Professor of Law Adjunct at the University of Notre Dame Australia School of Law in Sydney, President of the WA Legal Theory Association. He's Editor-in-Chief of the West Australian Jurist and is a former Law Reform Commissioner in WA. Augusto, always appreciate our conversations. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with our listeners today on 2020. It's my great pleasure, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.